1: Us. Hey. Just between us.
2: Hey. Oh, yeah. Hello! I'm Alice Raskin. I'm a writer, director, and lifelong bangster. Hell yeah! I'm Gab- I've had bangs my whole life. <laughs> I know, I've
3: seen photos. <laughs> I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bi con, bisexual icon, wink, uh, and former fifth grade treasury candidate.
2: Wait, you didn't win?
3: Nope. <laughs> <laughs>
2: what is a fourth grade treasury? Fifth grade. and oh, I, I'm so sorry. I
3: have no idea. I think we hand- I handled like pizza money, unclear.
2: Oh, no one would trust you with money.
3: I thought it was the one most likely that I could win, oh. and then I lost. But my posters did say, uh, da- uh, Gabby gets the job done, D-U-N-N.
2: That's smart. I know, still lost. I never ran for anything.
3: Really? No, I, no confidence. I,
2: I've just run from things. <laughs> <laughs> like yourself? Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
3: I, I don't know why. I just I don't know even well. I think I just needed a purpose.
2: I would get appointed positions of power from the wow. faculty. Oh. Yes. Because uh, like in the tenth grade we did like a like a entire grade model UN and um what was Kofi Annan? Like the head of what's, the- but what's that title called? head of the UN sure that's what I was director of the UN that's not what it's called but anyway me and one guy got picked and we got to like be in charge of the whole thing but again that's because it was like not an election yeah like the people won't vote for me (laughs) but I can be I can be like appointed to things (laughs) um teachers liked you yeah oh got it I was
3: not I was not liked by teachers and then eventually by students not liked
2: I don't feel any need to dive into what my childhood was. I agree. <laughs> like, I just, like, I, I was so unlikable and so off-putting. And the fact that now that I meet people and they're like, oh, well, she's friendly and nice. I'm like, yes. Yeah. It.
3: <laughs> yeah. I was just so annoying. But I was annoying up until, like, I don't know, 26 years old. So I really have yeah. no
2: excuse. You got less <laughs> annoying, like, a year ago.
3: Right? Yeah.
2: But so did I. I was still somewhat annoying until a year ago as well.
3: Do you think that's why we got along? Maybe. We were both really annoying, but in different ways. Here's what I felt. Sometimes when I was annoyed with you, I would be like, I mean, yeah, I'm annoyed, but like, I'm super annoying. So like, how can I judge? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I'd be like, well, but like, she puts up with me, so. Yeah.
2: (laughs) And I would be like, well, I can't be that annoying if Gabby's more annoying than me.
3: Exactly. (laughs) I think it really like worked itself out.
2: Yeah. And then we rubbed off on each other in good ways.
3: Yeah. Beautiful. We have a book. Oh, yeah, yeah. We have a yeah, we have a book. Uh, it's called Please Send Help, and it is coming out July, uh, July 16. 16th. So our guest this week is Risa Lysia, who's uh, a really funny comedian, um, and we're going to ask her some tough questions.
2: And later, we'll be talking about sexism, both how it manifests in society and our own beautiful personal experiences with it. This is pretty exciting stuff. I know. But first, hit it! International question! International question! International question! Anna! Florida! From my hometown. Hollywood, Florida, baby! Hollywood, Florida, literally where I grew up. Uh, and, well, I'd say where you grew, and then you grew up out here. <laughs> Anna wants to know. Hey, guys, I've been struggling financially and emotionally, which has run me into a bit of a dump. How do you think internalized capitalism has affected us? I work six days a week and still struggle to believe I'm being productive enough in life.
3: Oh, my God, Anna, you've come to the right place. I hate this. I just got told that it's called, and I didn't know that this was like a thing, but it's called toil glamour, which means this thing of like, oh, the grind, like hashtag work till I die, like I'll sleep when I'm dead, like this thing where people believe that they have to be working all the time and like showing that they're working all the time on social media so that everyone else feels like shit because they're not working all the time. And like their job becomes their whole life and their whole existence. And it like defines their self-worth. I constantly feel like I'm not working enough. And I'm sure you do too, even though we are working and I'm exhausted.
2: I don't really work that much. But I do think that... You're lying. I don't, though. Your perception... Other people go to work, and they work from, like, 9 a.m. to, like, 8 p.m. I don't do that. No.
3: Okay, but that's toil glamour because they're not actually working. Like, I... I had a whole thing um, where I interviewed on Bad With Money, which I mentioned, I guess, once an episode now, my uh, my other podcast. I interviewed this woman about Gen Z's work habits, and it was all about, like, how they're, like, at work and, like, want to be at, seen at their desks late. But they're, like, reading books they're like, you know, doing other stuff. They're, like, not doing all, all, like, work the whole time. It's just to look like you are so that it makes people like you feel bad, Allison Raskin.
2: I feel bad enough on my own, but thank you. Um <laughs> No, I mean, I also think that there's really something to like valuing the amount of money a job makes, which mm-hmm. is like so insane to me because so many actual important jobs you get paid shit. Yes. Uh, so like teachers, nurses, not paid. Uh nonprofit sector, not yeah. paid. You know, all of these things where like it's actually really important and beneficial to society, and then you have like, you know, Jake d- Paul, d- divorce lawyers making shit tons of money, not yeah. necessarily. Shout out to your mom. Shout out
3: to my mom, divorce (laughs) and child custody attorney, Karen Grainer.
2: Um, I just, I don't know what to do about this because I also like, I feel very conflicted because on the one hand, I love money.
3: Yes. And so working a lot. Okay. Here's the thing. Uh this is from a book called Your Money or Your Life by Vicki Robin. Um it's a little self helpy but it's great. And the book it says it, to count your money and your work in terms of hours of your life and what you buy in terms of hours of your life. So if you're doing some work, you go and you break it down by hours and you're like, is this work worth this amount of hours? And then when you buy something, you break it down too. So you go, okay, I want to buy these sneakers. Now how does that compare to the hours of my work? So
2: I would never buy anything.
3: But that's not true. Like, I'll, I'll think about it. Like, I wanted to buy these pins and they were $8. And I was like, $8 is like 15 minutes, let's say, of like writing something. So that's that to me is worth it. But if Whoa, it's like what
2: kind of rate are you getting? That's, that's high. true.
3: I guess it was like more like an hour or something. It's but, also
2: like with our work specifically, it's all different. Like I have felt very much like we've been overpaid for a lot of things, like a lot of like branded ad campaigns. It'll be like, well, that's insane. I did ten minutes of work on that, and then you know we I wrote a script for a network and we got to split four thousand (laughs) dollars. I
3: know the things that that we get paid a lot for don't make any sense.
2: I think that that symbolizes the issue with that money is not. Uh, correctly attached to like the value of the project or the work Mm -hmm. so you have to recognize that when you're looking at your own life yes and if you're doing something that you love and that you enjoy and it's not necessarily making you as much money as you want you have to think about but my life is my time
3: that's what yeah, that's what this book is talking like about. Like it's your
2: actual like day to day like your existence, and so yes, like you might not get to like go on as many vacations or mm-hmm. have as many nice clothes or you know, and that sucks. But like if you're getting to do something where you actually enjoy it, then that has so much more value than money. I think. I know. If you're I've, not in, if you're not in poverty,
3: absolutely. I mean, I've had jobs. That were um, really well paid and I was like literally panicked and miserable being there and then I have friends too who like my ex-boyfriend was talking about how he worked in the financial sector and he made so much money and but he would like on Sunday night every Sunday have a full panic attack about going to work and he was like I can't do this anymore.
2: But I also think it's going to be different person to person. Mm -hmm. Like some people really value money and stability. And that is their number one goal. And so they're more willing to maybe put up with a job that they don't like or work extra hours because they know that that's what will make them happy. Yeah. Other people, it's much more about the work-life balance. And Mm -hmm. they would rather work maybe less hours for a a lower paycheck but get to like travel or get to explore things or have a hobby or spend more time with friends and family.
3: (sighs) Yeah. Internalized capitalism is rough too because it is the, it is this thing where you do feel like you have to be contributing at all times. When I graduated from college, if I didn't have, and I I had Facebook at the time, and if I didn't have a job listed on my Facebook, I was like, I'm garbage. I'm a piece of shit. I'm not contributing anything to society. I can't believe I'm alive. And I, like, why is that how we value who we are? Because I
2: don't think we figured out any other way. I
3: know. Because
2: we don't know why we're here.
3: I got to 31 years old without a hobby. And I just picked up guitar and I have no interest in making any money off guitar. And I'm just doing it because I'm like, I don't have a hobby. That is bananas.
2: Like one of the worst symptoms of my OCD before I was medicated was uh, like that I felt like I had to be productive all the time. Mm -hmm. So every day it was like, I need to be working this amount of hours. If I don't, if I don't write this amount of pages, I'm worthless. If I, you know, and and I think that you see that a lot with people who have OCD where they're actually like hyper productive. Yeah. But since uh, this last round of meds and since, like, what I've been working on in myself, I've actually been able to, like— enjoy not working yeah you know like so there's there's been times where I'm just like between projects or the projects I have just don't they don't occupy the entire day yeah and so learning to like be okay with that yeah and to not tie that completely to my self-worth I have to tell you that I don't think anything else has made my therapist more proud of me (laughs) than my ability to do that yeah and so like Anna I would really say like make that a goal in your life where like you don't Where you don't feel that every day, where, like, you can relax, where you can unplug.
3: Because it's also, like, uh, I wonder if the internalized capitalism is making you think you don't have enough money when you do. Uh, But I don't know. Also, like, it sucks because it sounds like, I mean, a lot of times when people say they work six days a week, it's not the nine-to-five job. It's... um, like gig economy, which is huge. Gig economy is like the whole thing. And so with gig economy, you don't have hours and you don't know like when, you know, when you're working, when you should stop working and when you shouldn't stop working because you could drive Lyft all night. And I felt this, like I felt like um, with some of my work, I would be like, I could go out and spend money or I could stay in and work till like 11 and know that I'm making money. And it's hard because I would, I felt very addicted to it.
2: Well, I I'm a firm believer in work hours, and so yeah. if you're a freelancer, and I I think that you should observe normal business hours, and so you know you set your time, and it's the same every day if it can be, and it's yeah. you know maybe it's like nine to four because like we said in offices you're less productive, you're there longer, but you're less productive, yeah. so you're in charge of your own. Work and you're at home. It can be less hours, and then those are the hours that you work, mm-hmm. and then you step away. Yeah, and that is like huge for mental health. I think that really helps happiness and, and balance. Because then, if you have set hours, if you're not working, you're not worried that you're not working because you're not at work. Yeah, you know, like yeah. it's not work hours. Yeah, but if you don't have any structure to your work, yeah, then at any moment you can feel guilty because you're not working. I also think that there's a huge misconception that more time means better work. Yes, and that's not true. You're lagging. You're not doing as good of a job. I think efficiency is incredibly important. Yeah. I think it makes better work. I think it, it, like, lets you have more of a life. Like, just make decisions. Just, like, be like, I'm going to do it this way. Instead of just, like, sitting there and toiling with it or trying to, you know, like, just go down a route. Because honestly, like, yes, there are mistakes, but not really. I know. And even if you... Like,
3: if I, if you do a thing where your internet's off or whatever, and you are working for uh, two hours, and you are really focused, that's better than sitting there for five hours. And, Absolutely. And, like, just staring at the page, which I do so often. Yeah, me too. I do that so much. And then I think, well, I'm working. But
2: are you? So anyway, I mean, obviously, I don't know uh, what field Anna is in. But I think that if, you know, I think what you need to do because of the fact that you do have to work six days a week is to figure out how to enjoy that time when you're not working mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. To, and to realize you are a hardworking person. You put in the hours, you put in the time, you put in the effort. And when you're not working, you're not working. And, and it's the time to relax. I agree. To separate yourself from that.
3: And yeah. don't feel bad about um, doing things that are self-care, like buying a face mask or like, you know, trying to, like watching eight hours of, your favorite show, Vanderpump Rules.
2: <laughs> and there's also so much value in stuff that's not work-related. If you call your sibling and mm. you're there for them during a hard time, if you offer to, like, help someone with their groceries, yeah. if you're just, like, nice, you yeah. know? If, like, when you go to Trader Joe's, you're, like, fucking nice to the cashier and you're nice to the people you interact with on a mm-hmm. daily basis and you're just putting out, like, a, a positive vibe into the world, I think there's so much value in that as well.
3: And that's what makes you a worthwhile person. Absolutely.
2: I hope that helped, Anna. Uh, clearly, we are riled by the subject because we've both <laughs> been very much affected by this. Yeah. If you want to submit your international questions, send it to just between us pod at gmail.com. That's just between us pod at gmail.com. Up next,
3: we've got a juicy interview with our highly esteemed guest, Riza Lysia. So stay tuned.
2: Ooh. Hi everyone, Allison here. so much. So if you want to take part in Book of the Month and have a brand new book shipped right to your door every single month, go to bookofthemonth.com and get your first book for $5 with code Petals. That's $5 off with code PEDALS. I cannot recommend this enough. Turtles All the Way Down is the acclaimed number one bestseller by John Green, author of The Fault in Our Stars and Paper Towns. Turtles All the Way Down is now streaming on Max. NPR named the novel a, quote, sometimes heartbreaking, always illuminating glimpse into how it feels to live with mental illness. Isa Holmes never intended to pursue the disappearance of fugitive billionaire Russell Pickett, but there's a $100,000 reward at stake and her best and most fearless friend Daisy is eager to investigate. So together, they navigate the short distance and broad divides that separate them from Pickett's son, Davis. Isa is trying. She's trying to be a good daughter, a good friend, a good student, and maybe even a good detective, while also living with the ever-tightening spiral of her own thoughts. Turtles All the Way Down is a brilliant novel about love, resilience, and the power of lifelong friendship. As someone with OCD, it is so wonderful to see OCD represented in an incredible book. I think it is so important that we talk about mental illness, both in our own lives and through narrative. Buy your copy of Turtles All the Way Down in stores today and catch the movie streaming on Max. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting. Tough questions. Our
3: guest is Rizalicia. Hello. 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 Uh, you want to introduce
4: yourself? What do you say you are? Um, I am. Oh, like what do I identify as? Yeah. Well, She. Th- no,
3: no, no. Oh, okay. I I
2: love that. No, I love that. That was beautiful. I love it. Dabby I mean, meant like for your career. Yeah, oh, so. Like how
4: do you how do you give your bio? Oh, uh uh Actor, comedian, baller, full-time cat lover. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, Yeah, baller is important. Yeah, I ball. How many cats? I have two cats, Meow and Muggsy, and I plug them in every single podcast. Do they have their own Instagram? They don't because I can barely keep up with like the five I have to run. Sure, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Which one do you love more? Oh, Oh,
4: my God. You know what? That's such a funny question because I always ask that to my brothers and sisters about their kids and they won't answer me. And I'm like, I know which one. I know which, oh. one. So which
2: one. I'm going to guess meow.
4: Meow is my first love. See, yeah. I yeah. knew it. Wow. I, tell, I, like, I tell my boyfriend all the time just to bother him that we were lovers in another life and he came back as my cat. And he is like, yeah, right. And he's like, I know you believe that. And I'm like, I mean, I kind of do, but also it's just fun. It's a fun bit at this point. Yeah, to annoy him. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever
2: feel uh, like a sexual love for your cat? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. Cool. no, no. <laughs> they were just like really
4: close. <laughs> yeah. You know? I do kiss them in the lips. Like I kiss them in the yeah. mouth before I leave. Especially before all my auditions, I kiss bo- both of them. Like, for luck. Yeah. Oh, that's
2: beautiful. That's yeah. a that's controversial. Like kiss the lucky egg. Yeah. <laughs>
4: it's a controversial thing to say you kiss your animals on the mouth. Really? Yes. Yeah, well, because, you know, they'd be licking their booty holes and stuff.
3: Yeah. Also, like, when my dog gets a t- his, like, when he's, like, kissing me and he gets his, like, tongue in my mouth, I'm like, well, you landed one. That's yeah. my <laughs> fault. That's my fault. That's on me. Yuck. I know. And then I have to go. I do go brush my teeth, though, so you'd be proud of me. Oh, well, good. better than me. I'm just like, all right, on my way to my audition. Uh, yeah. <laughs> With cat, cat breath. Oh, Man, so you and I are from a similar hometown. You're mm-hmm. from Miami, I'm from Fort Lauderdale. Oh,
4: yeah, very close. Did yeah. you go to school in Florida? I did. I went Where? to I went to La Salle Private Catholic School oh, in Coconut Grove. Oh, Coconut Grove. Yeah. Did you like Miami? I love Miami. I literally, like, I rep it hard. My necklaces say 305 and oh, Miami. Oh, <laughs> wow. You're like Pitbull. Oh, yeah. That's what that's what my IG uh, and my Twitter thing says. It Senorita says... Señorita 305. And then I just at him every time.
3: Wow. I love him. I love
4: Pit. Well, so, like, what did you like about growing up in Miami? It's very... The culture is so strong there that, especially being, like, a Latina, being a Cuban, mm-hmm. you, no matter what, you always feel even if like I'm at a Denny's or a regular like (laughs) like a restaurant that doesn't feel super Latino in Miami yeah the waitress is gonna ask you for your order in Spanish yeah Yeah. you're gonna if you don't know how to respond back it's gonna be like a struggle (laughs) was there a culture shock coming out to LA with that a little bit especially because I'm Cuban and a lot of the the more Latinos that I was meeting here were Mexican or like Central American Mm -hmm. so like Salvadorian Ecuadorian or you know things like that and I have so many different types of Latino friends from Miami. So that was cool because I was like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm used to, like, all types of, like, Latinx, like, cultures. But it was very interesting to be, like— the one Cuban all the time Interesting. Yeah. because over there like everybody's Cuban everyone right? we're all we're all Cuban even if you're white but you're dating a Cuban girl for 10 years you are Cuban now <laughs> so like congratulations I
3: used to think I used to fully believe that when I was growing up that uh, TV was in English and commercials were in Spanish everywhere that's just mm-hmm. what I thought I was like well I don't know they, that's why that's, yeah. there's just something where I guess we've all agreed that commercials aren't Spanish
4: yeah yeah and the radio stations too even Spanish yeah, all Spanish Y100 which is oh
3: the? Oh
2: my god! Yeah, well, was, I'm gonna ask a question for some of our listeners. So the per the right term now to use is Latinx, right? Um, yeah. Well, well, it, what are your thoughts on that? Because I, I've, <laughs> I've also, I'm not sure what to say. <laughs> so, um, right
4: now, because of you know uh, all the diversity and and all these things and all the things that are changing in the world, sure, a lot of people do use Latinx. My show that I run, we say Latinx. But I'm also I'm I'm kind of half and half. Uh, a, a white guy is the one that decided that this should be a word. Oh, really? So that's oh. like one of the biggest uh, backlashes that comes from the word. It had to do with gender,
3: yes, gender binary, and languages gender, that are very gendered. Which
4: I do I do enjoy because. You know, we're you know there we have people now that they like I said she you know like they he she whatever it is like cool great like let us know what you are and that's why Latinx is representative Mm -hmm. to everybody. But I'm also like hella old school for some things, and I do say Latino and Latina. A lot,
3: because when you grew up learning the language, it's very gendered yes. and randomly gendered. And and I and I yeah. when I was learning Hebrew, it was uh, very gendered. Like chair, like chair, uh-huh. yes. moon, cheese, like all of it has a gender. Feminino, which is so, and masculino.
4: Yeah, uh-huh. which is so. I mean, not English doesn't really have that. No, no, which is interesting because I think that's also. Uh, when people are learning Spanish, mm-hmm. that's one of the biggest things they always tell me. Like my friends will, will tell me, Yeah, I just I get confused with the boy and the girl part of the word. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, Yeah, I get it. I get it. Cause when you start learning uh Spanish, that's just it's hard to like remember, oh, there's two of these one word.
3: Yes. Yeah. And depends on who you're who you're talking to. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then the yeah.
2: difference between uh Latino and like Hispanic. That can we yeah. just dive into
4: that? <laughs> um so Pretty much, a lot of us were t- uh, taken over by the Spaniards, yeah. so that's why there are there are a lot of Latinos that don't identify as Hispanic because it feels like uh, colonizers mm-hmm. to took us over Mm -hmm. also like where you are from so even some people you know the other day i was talking to someone and they were like yeah well spaniards people from spain are not latino and i'm like well then what are they spanish that's what he said and i was like okay but and he's like that's what i said spanish and then he was like yeah they're spanish but they're european and i was like Okay, yeah, but they're 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 Latino, like they're, yeah. they're Hispanic, they're Latino, whatever they want to identify. Because then as. what's Portugal? You know what I mean? Exactly. Right. Well, even Haiti. Um, yeah. I've had like in our sh- in the show that I host, uh, we only have Latinx talent on stage. I'm always like, nobody can be on that stage unless they're Latinx, and maybe Drake. He's like my like one. <laughs> He's like my one, but whatever. He raps the Drake about Drake s-
2: exception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He
4: raps about Spanish girls. And Miami a lot, so I'll give him a I'll give him a slide through. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and uh, my friend Edgar, who I think you guys,
2: both Ed, know, yeah, Edgar
4: Montpellier, yeah, mm-hmm. that's uh, one of my BFFs, and he is Haitian, and I had him do our show, and so many people are like, "Why is Edgar doing your show? He's black," and I was like, "Yeah, he's also Haitian, which is Latino," and they're yeah. like, oh, "I'm like Google it." Like <laughs>
3: people have a really hard time with Black Latinos, yeah, with and that, Latinos. and they have a really hard time with white. Like white passing yeah. or like people and, and Spanish. Like I have, I have a friend who is white, would identify as white, maybe. I actually don't know. But she has a very uh, Spanish last name yeah. and like is just like, you know, but I think people are sort of like, well, yeah, that's a white person, which like in, yeah. in the day to day is a white person.
4: Yeah, it's hard. There's I mean, I really do believe in and all like minorities, especially like people of color, mm-hmm. There are Are there are so many struggles. Like my little sister is whiter than you and has blue-green eyes and long blonde hair. And but like look, like we like have very similar face, but just different colors. Yeah. And then my little brother is like darker than me and people always think he's like Middle Easterner. or something. And I'm like, why? It's it's I mean, everybody wants to tell you what you're where are you from? Oh, you're this, you're that. They love to play the guessing game. Nobody ever guesses what I am. How does that make you feel? Um, you know, I I think it depends on the situation because if you're in a in like a cool like group of people uh-huh. and somebody is new and they're like, "Oh, where are you from?" whatever, like it's fine. Like I don't I, as long as they're not that's not as long as they don't ask me, "Oh, um, do you speak Mexican?" <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. that, like there's some things that people say sometimes and I'm like, "Dude, are you fucking stupid?" Like yeah. how how dumb do you have to be in 2019 to be speaking to someone in that like manner mm-hmm. but i
2: think it's presumptuous to even guess what someone is yeah that feels like a strange move to me
4: well it's also when people ask me "Oh, where are you from oh i'm from miami oh but like where are you from yeah uh, yeah. and now i'm like oh i go you're now i know what you want me to right. say you want me to tell you oh why am i brown and look like this <laughs> yeah and i'm like oh uh cuban yeah, Oh, your were were parents in are from <laughs> cuba yeah, like, so you say yeah exactly and i have to go through the whole thing and it's just it's a whole thing but have you visited Cuba? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I went um not this past November but the November prior with my big sister Dania. Oh, how was it? It was uh it was amazing. Um I it was the first time that I went ever mm-hmm. me and her. It was her 40th birthday. Mm-hmm. And before my dad was like super anti any of us going he mm-hmm. literally was he literally was super adamant about the fact that if we went he would practically disown us cuz my my family yeah. had to flee cuba mm-hmm. we we had they, they had to leave or fidel was you know the mm-hmm. whole when did they leave um they left in the early 60s i believe if i'm not mistaken a trying time yeah it was it was it was 100% when uh, fidel came into mm-hmm. power because my tío nino was el, one of the comandantes, so like the commander, I, I think. Com- mm-hmm. cam- I don't know how to say it yeah, in English. Yeah. Commander, yeah, one of the comandantes um, with Raúl uh, Castro. Okay. And Fidel, like he helped. He he helped like Fidel and Raúl get into power because at that time. <laughs> Batista was so bad that everybody right. thought Fidel was going to be the savior. Interesting, And which is what everybody... Like, there's yeah, so the many people. people thought
2: he was going to be great, right? Yeah. And yeah. then it was a disaster. And then, he, then
4: it was terrible. And my Tio was like, no, like, fuck that shit. Yeah. Like, that's not what I got into this for. <laughs> like, that's not what I literally was like in the, like, jungle, like, sleeping for. Mm-hmm. No. And so... um he was like, we got to go. And then yeah. they all just, like, they left. Mm-hmm. They just left. We left everything. Our homes, our businesses. I mean, I say our, like, I feel mine. But
3: their your family. Yeah. It's your family.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what it was like for your dad to, to like, disown his country? I mean, yeah, we've taught. He gets, like, really, like, I even have
4: goosebumps because, like, when I think about it, it's, it's, like, very sad. Like, when I, when I landed, like, I, like, got, like, emotional and, like, a little bit of, like, I cried mm-hmm. a little yeah. bit. And then when I left, I was, like, in, like, the- and I was, like, oh, yeah, like, that's this is this this was weird. I know part of me was like, oh, I shouldn't go and like support any of this, but also, I I wanted to touch my land. I wanted mm-hmm. to I wanted to to feel what it felt like to be like a Cuban American in Cuba, where my dad was like born and raised, and my abuela and stuff like that. So I I did have very like conflict. Like, I was very yeah. conflicted about going and and while I was there, but. I did as much as I could that was against the government. Like, mm-hmm. I, we stayed in the Airbnb. We, I mean, everything was, like, on the side. We had, like, one of— The a, we, people, not the, the government. people, yeah, yeah. The people. So, like, we had, like, um, this guy, Umberto, uh, who was, like, our travel guide. And we ended up, like, just hanging out with him and the girl from the Airbnb, Wendy, me and my sister. We're just like, hey, because it was just us two. Yeah. yeah. So, they came out with us. we take them out to eat and, like, to the bars and the clubs mm-hmm. and— everywhere, Viñales, everywhere we went. And it was really cool because also it felt so like legit and real. Uh-huh. It felt like an Anthony Bourdain kind of style <laughs> yeah. trip because it wasn't just like it wasn't too, manufactured. Yeah, it wasn't like two like, two like white girls just like, uh, trying to shop or like not a, mm-hmm. th- it's just because i saw those people there mm-hmm. and it was like they were trying to like get their instagram pics and stuff yeah. like that which is fine like i did i did a photo shoot with a photographer there but again i'm cuban like, so <laughs> was, like, it was just like different w- in certain situations we even bought a bunch of gifts and brought them in a backpack um to give to the kids when we would go like to certain places yeah oh, that's lovely. yeah
2: yeah did it feel familiar to you or did it feel more foreign um, it's. I mean, it did feel foreign.
4: There There were parts where I was speaking Spanish. And mm-hmm. they, it's funny because, like, the Cubans in Cuba still speak very different than, like, the Cubans in Miami mm-hmm. and, oh. and everywhere else. Like, our, I mean, even my accent isn't even that strong, uh, like, Cuban accent just because I have so many. Like I've worked with a lot of Colombians. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of Colombian-Venezuelan friends in high school that my accent just is all over the place. <laughs> like, I go in for an audition in Spanish. I'm like, all right, Raisa. Who are you today
3: what (laughs)
1: are
4: you mexican what accent are you doing but because the auditions like rarely specify they're just like a latinx person yeah or they'll say new well if it's if they want it in spanish they'll say neutral accent which just means mexican accent oh really
2: Uh (laughs) how did you learn that's what that meant um
4: my 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 mexican friends pretty much told me and little by little like within like getting growing like This group of Latino actor, comedian friends, they were just like, oh, yeah, they mean Mexican. I'm like, oh, cool. So when I'm going in there talking hella Cuban, that's why it's not working. What is ah. it
2: like to go in and and portray a different... Nationality.
4: It feels weird. This year was the first time I ever went out for a lead that was Cuban. Oh, mm. wow. Yeah, for a pilot. And the lead was Cuban. I was like, oh, hell yeah. Oh, my God. This is so fucking cool. I got this. And she's like, <laughs> very Miami, but she lived in Silver Lake, which I'm like, I live in Silver Lake. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, Whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, it felt very exciting to have that opportunity. But then everything else is usually... Mexican or Puerto Rican or Colombian? Those yeah. are like usually the three that uh, And Puerto you
3: got Rican for. is so different. So different. I mean they're all different. Yeah. But Puerto Rican is like very different. Like yeah. you can't confuse Mexican and Puerto Rican. So I guarantee different.
2: you a lot of people do. I, yeah. I'm sure they for sure. To
4: answer your question, yeah. It's it feels sometimes problematic, but at the same yeah. time it's like there were shows like, you know, One Day at a time was about a Cuban family and there was not one Cuban lead actor.
2: Really? Yeah. How yeah, does how does that make you feel about that?
4: You know, in the beginning, I'm not going to lie, I was a little uh, annoyed by it. Yeah. Because I was like, come on, you couldn't find one fucking, like, Cuban Mm -hmm. actress or actor or, like, uh, okay, sure, Rita Moreno, give her everything. She is a queen. She's Puerto Rican. Let her play anything. She can play, let her play a man. I don't care. (laughs) Like, let her do whatever she wants. But I was just, it was a little disheartening. But then at the same time. You have to you have to like pick and choose like your like mm-hmm. wins and losses and your battles and uh I'm like, great, there's a Cuban show out mm-hmm. there on Netflix that is showcasing my culture and like what most Cubans are like it's just to, it's weird to watch our but the same thing happened like in Narcos. There was a bunch of Mexicans uh-huh. playing Colombians. Like, how do you how do you find the community out
3: here? Like how did you find all these people? Like how did you sort of come out here and, and meet other Latinx people to like support, you know? Support yeah. you?
4: So when I first came out here, I was lucky that like I, I used to work in the music industry in Miami. Mm-hmm. So I worked for I worked for a big Colombian singer, um, Juanis. I <laughs> yeah. know him. I like not to name drop but no, please I was I know I know I always say it and I'm like oh I feel so weird like name dropping but yeah I used to work with Juanes. and uh. um and so that's why like even more like I saw the Calo- yeah. Colombia and I was like <laughs> like um and so I had a lot of music contacts out here mm-hmm. and my friends set me up with like meetings like me like you know like hey meet my friend like she's new kind yeah. of thing um and then once I started doing improv I was like I noticed there wasn't anybody that like looked like me on stage or like, speaking Spanish or anything. Like, there was no accent. Like, I saw... I always remember Eugene Cordero was, like, the first, like, brown person I saw. I was like, oh, is he Latino? No, he's Filipino. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Great, great, great. I'm like, but... He's great, though. Oh, he's amazing. Super I funny. love him. But... So then I started doing a lot more indie shows, and I started a all-Latino team from just, like, random people. I was like, oh, like, he's funny. She's funny. Mm-hmm. They're Latino. I'll ask them if they'll do a show. And then we started doing that, and then I got... Put Onto like this, like Spanish speaking team, Improvisos Peligrosos, and with that team, I met Oscar, Carlos, and Tony. I know Oscar, yeah. Oh, you know Oscar, okay, cool, yeah. Uh, he's the best. Um, Oscar Montoya, yes, Oscar, yes, Oscar, Oscar Montoya. Montoya, Tony Rodriguez, Carlos Santos, and we uh, I asked them to do Spanish Hockey presents, mm-hmm. and uh, because I realized there was no Latinx shows like there was every single type of representation at that theater but Latinos mm-hmm. why do you think that is um it's interesting because we are the majority minority
2: I know I was gonna say
4: uh I don't think at that time that many Latinos were doing improv I think sometimes improv is so white that people yeah. just go well it's not for me yeah yeah yeah. They don't think that there's like a place for them there. I do meet a lot of Latinos are like, oh, I want to do it. Da, da, da. And then they take like one class and they're just like, yeah, I did it. And, I'm, and that's fine. But that's like with everybody. I don't mm-hmm. think it's only Latinos, obviously, that do that. But it was one of those things where I, I don't know. They're just there wasn't. And with the boys, like. On, our, on my team like I we just we started doing so many shows together and we had such good chemistry that I was like you know what fuck it like I'm gonna pitch this yeah yeah and then it's also very expensive to do improv it's that's another thing that I think thank god they have a diversity scholarship and yeah. a diversity coordinator that's that helps within that which is funny I'm like I never I never got the diversity scholarship <laughs> <laughs> like mind you um, and I'm like and also I was I was like the first like bilingual like female like Latina like on a Herald team which is yeah. kind of cool. I didn't know that's that until, amazing. like, somebody told me, like, in L.A. I don't know if they had it in New York, but I was like, oh, that's kind of tight. I'm like, uh, that's, like, a random
2: specific.
3: A Herald team is, like, an improv team, by the way, at, uh, yes. at different improv
2: places, like UCB. It's like or- a house team. You house have to audition team, yeah. for it and get on it. A, it's a very wonderful accomplishment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was
4: my first time auditioning, so that was pretty tight. Yeah. And, um, but— uh Yeah, I realized while I was doing that even more, I think that was also part of it. I was so I was on Herald and we had a pretty like pretty uh diverse team, uh, I would say. um, And a lot, a lot of people would DM me on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, whatever, or just come to me outside or if they saw me at the theater and just be like, Oh my God, it's so like, it's so nice to see somebody like me on stage, like mm. bl- not to be like, oh my God, they were like fangirly. It wasn't that at all. It was just like very much like respect, like, mm-hmm. oh, you did that abuela character. And I've done, I mean, I did, I did an entire scene in Spanish once mm-hmm. and it's like something that probably Oscar is the only one that's ever done that maybe mm-hmm. on that stage. Yeah. Maybe Zeke, Zeke also speaks Spanish, but, but is yeah. Is that
2: exciting to you that you're doing this or is it just frustrating that like this is the first time it's happening? I would
4: say both. It's it is exciting because it is nice to have people like hit you up and make you feel yeah, good that when you're you, with finding community that you become the center of community. Yeah, yeah, and and now with our show, it's so it's crazy to see like the response of it because in the mm-hmm. beginning, I was like, all right, I'm just gonna throw, we're gonna I don't know, I'm throw this shit together, fuck it, let's <laughs> see what happens. And the amount of people that like reached out after like our first show was crazy like to the point where now we have celebrities or stand-up and influencers or whoever reaching out to us mm-hmm, to do wow. the show and I'm like oh I thought this was gonna be so much harder mm-hmm. to get people. <laughs> but they've Come to us and that makes me feel good.
3: I think a lot of minorities enjoy, in speaking as a queer person too, like enjoy shows that they know are going to be safe spaces for them. Mm -hmm. Like Jenny Yang's show that was uh, just like an Asian comedy show. Yeah, they do Asian as fuck, right? Full, I mean, and Disoriented I think she used
2: to do. Oh, okay, okay.
3: But they were sold out, full Asian audience. Yeah. And it was remark I mean it was just like they felt like okay I'm gonna come to this and nobody's gonna make fun of me mm-hmm. in a way that isn't respectful yeah
4: it's it's really beautiful to see our, our also our audience is not only Latinx which is kind of cool because mm. a lot a lot of all our like friends come it doesn't matter what color ethnicity they come yeah. and it's like we had this one show where we had um do you know the the movie Mi Vida Loca it's like, no so Mi Vida Loca was like the first like chola, like hardcore, like real chola <laughs> movie. And you guys gotta watch it. It's so good. Um and we had uh most of the cast.
1: Wow. And we did like a
4: Q&A. We had oh, Sad Girl amazing. who is the lead. Wow. Um yeah. Uh and uh we we interviewed them. We interviewed a re the what uh, this girl Vero who her she was a real life chola growing up for real. Nice. And we interviewed her because a lot of the movie was also like based on like part of like her real life. Can you explain for our audience what a chola is? <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm not Mexican, <laughs> but... I know,
3: yeah, I know, I know. It's so, it's um, also very, uh, there was like a lot of, one of the first viral videos
4: I saw in Florida was that Chonga, The chonga girl. So chongas, I'm really good friends with Mimi and Laura. They've done our show. Yeah, uh, the chonga girls. Yeah, very done, popular. Oh, they're great. A chonga is like Miami, mm-hmm. more like Miami, uh, uh, I literally don't know if it's part of New York or East Coast that area, but yeah. for sure it's Miami. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chola is more West Coast, like mm-hmm. Mexicans uh, claim Chola more, mm-hmm. and it's just like a female that is, you know, she, she's like, she's just like a tough, like she's a tough bitch, like yeah. she's you like. I don't even know you like sh- you can't fuck around with her, mm-hmm. um, but she always looks like on point. She's got her wing eyeliner. Uh, she they all have like the gr- their girls' backs or other cholas' backs. It's kind of like it's like it's a girl like gang your Miha. Yeah, it's like yeah. a girl gang. Um, but I also know like they they don't like to only refer like towards like the whole gang mm-hmm. thing because of that. Like it's right. so I think it, before it was definitely. Um, a little bit more gang life oriented, mm-hmm. it, oriented. Um, now it's more like sisterhood oriented and yeah. kind of like positive, cool. like female empowerment, like feminist. There, I mean, Cholas, hell yeah, like they're like they're they're feminist as fuck. I think, <laughs> yeah. 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 The
3: misconception yeah. is like trashy girls,
4: yeah, which is like what Chongas in Miami, Miami get, get the rep, called, yeah. yeah, yeah, like like. Like, they're, like—everybody thinks that, like, a chonga is, like, somebody that will, like, fight you. And, like, yeah, they'll fight you, but, like— You probably deserve it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and they'll the, look
2: good doing it. Yeah, oh, yeah. And,
4: like, they won't take off their hoops. They don't need to.
2: Yeah.
3: Oh, man. Oh, wow. That was very—I got a flashback there.
4: Uh-huh. You've ever taken off taken off your hoops for a fight?
3: I've seen it happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm not fighting. But I've seen it happen. That's the—that's when you know. I, like, when I went to— Uh, when you would, like, be in Miami and you saw that, and, like, if you saw them start to take off the hoops, you were like, I got to get out of here. hell yeah. (laughs) Blood is
4: about to be shed. Oh, I love it. I'm like, I love me a good fight. I feel like I haven't seen a good fight in L.A. Miami was so fun. Have you ever been in a big fight? (laughs) Uh, I did get in a fight uh i was playing intramural basketball that okay but the The perfect
2: time to fight
4: (laughs) everyone fights in intramural basketball oh not in my school apparently (laughs) oh yeah i um
2: how old were you uh it was
4: like my sophomore year i think in college i don't know how old Uh, they're
2: like 20 yeah okay i think everyone would
4: get so worked up emotions are high yeah well i was also it was like my first playing like time playing intramurals mm-hmm. my friend victoria mole like was like hey like we need some players you want to come and i was like yeah cool and i played one game it was cool and then this it was i think it was like literally the second game <laughs> and this girl just kept like just like i would didn't even have the ball and she was like pushing me and i was mm-hmm. like yo like you gotta stop like i'm like come on like like relax like no i'm not trying to get hurt blah, high blah, stakes blah. high stakes i mean she also was like like sh- smaller than me Like, she was way thinner than me, so I was like, I could push this bitch, but no. Yeah. She, like, came at me, and I was like, yo, you need a stop. She, like, pushed me, and I just, like, went back at her, and we... I mean, my contact fell out. My, oh my like, God, you won? Um, I will say neither of us really won because both yeah. of our teammates pulled us back. Even Victoria, uh, Victoria's mom jumped. She's like this little like Honduran woman and she is like the toughest woman you will ever meet probably in Miami. She like takes no shit. And she like jumped oh on the ref because then the ref was like- uh, She jumped tri- on the ref? Oh yeah, I was like a student. <laughs> oh, I had to go to like court, like school court and FIU and everything. Oh my school God. School court. Yeah, I got, I almost, I almost got like, expelled from college like wow. from my uni because of it apparently. you had to go to
3: the court at florida international university yeah so it was they, her school
4: yeah so yeah. we both yeah we both went to fiu and uh we me victoria and the other girl had to go but it's kind of like a weird it's a long story but the ref was a student and um a, it's like two weeks prior to our court date he was changing a tire on the turnpike after coming from disney disney world sorry disney world and got hit by a car and was like just dead once he got hit by the car and so he was i know it's crazy because this
2: is a insane story it's an insane i know i
4: say i've said it to people and they're like yeah right i'm like No, like, legit, this is what happened. Because the joke with my dad is always like, Raisa, you put a hit on the guy, huh? So you wouldn't get kicked. I'm like, no, papi. And, like, I am, like, feel And my friend, like, my friend, Victoria, calls me crying, telling me. And I'm like, she's like, he's dead. And I'm like, who is he? I'm like, first, start off with his name. Like, I need to know if I need to have a feeling. And, like, I'm not going to lie. I didn't cry. But um, because he was not there to speak against us three we were not expelled because he pretty much could have been like oh like all of them started it because his like word was like his word against us was that we all started it and that we should not be allowed to play we should whatever um Wow! He, one of you put a hit on that. I guy. mean, wasn't me. I didn't know bruheria nothing. I mean, if somebody did on my family for me, not my problem.
2: Oh <laughs> my god! Speaking of insane situations, <laughs> would you like to join us for our game show segment of the podcast? Yes. So now we will be playing America's favorite game show, Hypotheticals. <laughs> I'm going to give you a couple of scenarios, and you're going to tell me what you would do in those scenarios, and then um, you're probably wrong. Mm. Oh, yeah, we will lose. I'm playing as well. I don't
3: know the. So we're not against each other. We can help each other. But I'm also playing. I don't know the hypotheticals.
2: (laughs) Okay. This is my area of expertise (laughs) from my sick mind. Wow. The first game would you stay with this cheater? Okay. Okay. (laughs) Oh, boy. The year is (laughs) 2345. Okay. <laughs> Your right. significant other of 70 years, lifespans have increased dramatically, <laughs> goes off in search of new life in the galaxy. Uh huh. They return with three new life forms and at least four never before seen STDs. Oh Would you stay with this cheater who was, quote, just doing field research?
3: Uh, now, what do the aliens look like? Uh, <laughs> a range. Humanoid? Some. What about the other ones?
2: Uh, I'd say one resembles more like an octopus. Oh.
3: Are they sexually attracted to these, to all of them?
2: Uh, yes. Your, um, your partner is pansexual. Got it. And is attracted mostly to someone's spirit. Got it, got it, got (laughs) it. Got it, got it, got it. (laughs) Um,
3: well, I mean, I think they should have told me ahead of time that this was a possibility of their research. Well, they
2: didn't know. They'd never, you know, they'd never seen an (laughs) ukadmakin. Okay, but they... But they couldn't um, shoot me a text. Uh, no, they had very bad service. Bad reception. Bad reception. <laughs> service is bad even in the future. Damn. Yeah, because honestly, AT and T takes over everything. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs>
3: wow.
4: Uh, I'm gonna
3: say no because are the uh, I just think like they didn't they didn't take me into consideration and they didn't care about me so I'm gonna say no. I mean, I'm happy that they're an explorer. Good for them with their... I mean, I'm glad they did this. Took one for the team for our planet. You don't want
2: to stay with the most famous explorer of your time. Oh, they became really famous. Oh, wait, they're famous? Hold on. How many followers do they have? They became really famous? How much money do they have? (laughs) They have a ton of money and they're super famous because they've discovered new life. And they want to be with me.
3: Yes. They do want to be with me. I have a question. Yes.
4: Are these STDs contagious? Like, am I going to get it?
2: Well... What the thing about STDs is they are contagious. <laughs> well, because yeah, in the aliens. future, maybe
4: they're not. That's why. Oh. They
2: are
3: curable. Oh, they Other, are. And and how much pain are you in if you get them?
2: Uh, so your partner has actually experienced a ton of pain, which is sort of, you know,
3: they're penance, penance. Well, OK, but and you don't have to sleep tre- with them until they get treated that's fair
2: yeah no you do have to sleep before oh, you, <laughs> you get treated oh. why because they just get real riled the moment they see you <laughs> they see us and their clothes is off they're ready the and you're like what is that lump <laughs> and why is it the, moving the lump
3: is right under their stomach where you just pointed <laughs> the lump is under their top, breast
2: top of their rib cage rib cage that's and hot and it is a bulbous uh, <laughs> like sphere and and inside it, it keeps going hello <laughs>
4: Uh... I'm I'm saying no. Yeah, I'm saying no.
3: (laughs) Big
2: mistake. They discover immortality and won't give it to you. (laughs) Oh, no. I'll figure out a way back in. (sighs) Our next game. Are you an asshole? Ready. Okay. So, your friend needs a ride to the airport, but you don't want to do that, so you say you're busy. Uber pool takes forever, and they end up missing their flight. They have to take the next flight. And it arrives safely. But your friend never speaks to you again. Are you an <laughs> asshole? No. no. I bet you thought that flight was going to crash. I did think that. But I have to, you know, subvert expectations on this game show. I understand. I uh, I think, uh, no, you're
3: not an asshole because you're never obligated to drive anyone to the airport. No, especially in L.A.
4: This isn't, yeah. you know.
3: They've
2: driven you to the airport upwards of ten times. Ike.
4: Ooh. And did you did you um, lie and say you were
3: busy or yes. oh you, oh but you were busy or you were no you were not you, you, were you a haven't liar. been busy
2: in years in this scenario oh. no. you
3: had nothing. and you, and you lied
2: <laughs> yeah and you didn't even come up with a good lie you just wrote back I'm busy mm. I think which is again, something my my niece likes to say to me yeah I'll be like I'll see you mom and she's like I'm busy what <laughs> how old is she <laughs> she's uh, just turned five. Oh, anyway, okay. our dynamic is super healthy <laughs> I. <laughs>
3: I think uh, you know I've said many times on this show no is a complete
4: sentence. So I think she you shouldn't have said you're busy, you should have said no. Okay. I hate taking people to the airport even though I'm the one that asks everybody all the time and people take me. What a hypocrite. <laughs> I know.
2: Oh yeah, my goodness. I know,
4: but also I have a smart car so like I usually can't fit anybody in my car with their luggage and stuff. Uh-huh. You so that's have a, why smart
1: you got car? a smart car. You have
2: a smart car? Yeah, little little car. Little baby. Well, honestly, you're lost because this is the person who figures out how to expand lifespans. So once again, you're dying early because oh, of your choices in this. So game. it's not immortality; it's just lifespan. No, because this is happening in 2019. Come, oh, 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 oh! So then you don't even
3: get to the you point. Don't you don't even get to, get to, get to, to the alien. Two thousand three hundred and
2: forty-five. Wow.
3: So then the first hypothetical doesn't even matter it's to void. you. Void. You've been void. dead for years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> tricks.
2: It's all tricks. Very <laughs> exciting announcement. We have a brand new show. Wow, and brand new hypothetical. Never, never played before. It's entitled. What would happen if this was an episode of Seinfeld?
4: Okay. Okay. How familiar are you with Seinfeld? Oh, God. I used to watch it so much when I was younger, but I don't remember it as much. I mean, I remember the tone and stuff,
3: obviously. But
2: I'm like, I think I could. I assume anyone I allow on this show is an expert in Seinfeld. Wow.
3: I don't even know that much about Seinfeld.
2: Well, good luck to this game. Okay. Okay.
3: (laughs) Great. We're both going to do really well. We're going to kill it.
2: Your barista at Starbucks spells your name so wrong it is incoherent. But when a different barista calls out this mumble of sounds, another customer claims it is their drink slash name, even though it is clearly yours. What would happen if this was an episode of Seinfeld and your George?
3: That would be their actual name. So you would make a big stink about it. You would, like, go crazy about it. And then you would end up, like, looking like an asshole because it was their actual name. And it was, like, their grandfather's name who, like, served in the war and was, like, a beautiful person. And, like, how dare you make fun of their name, which is, like, a family name uh,
4: based on this person who was a saint. Yeah, damn, that was good. Okay, my turn. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, he's super pissed, and he grabs a, the coffee from the person that gets it, and he throws it on the floor, and there's coffee everywhere, and he's just rolling, and he's pissed, and he's yelling. And he already had a bad day because he dropped his first coffee all over his white button-down shirt and tie. And so he's just pissed. A white and, tie? Uh no, he has, like, a really bad pattern, like, maroon-colored <laughs> tie. Got it, got it, got it, got it, um, And he's just, like, really pissed and just wants to fight everybody, and he gets kicked out of the Starbucks. And then there's pictures that are posted all over that say that he's not allowed to come back in. And he becomes the
3: Starbucks ex- uh, expat. Yeah, No more coffee for you. (laughs) I love that. I came up with a real scenario. And you just stole from the Soup Nazi? (laughs) And that's how that game is
2: played. Unbelievable. Is it always going to end with the Soup Nazi? No comment. Thank oh. you so much for joining us. Where can we find you if we want to, which I'm sure we do? Yeah. Um,
4: I'm on Instagram at Riza R-A-I-Z-A-L-I-C-E-A. Gotta spell it. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, Twitter, same handle. Um, and my show is Spanish Chucky Presents. We do a live show every first Friday at UCB Sunset at Lovely. 9 o'clock. And... Also, we will be having a podcast here at Earwolf that yes. launches uh, July 16th. What's it called? Spanish Eki Presents. Yep. I'm, a, I'm <laughs> keep wrong. Keep the brand alive. Yeah, the yeah. We got we to keep it all. Yeah. It'll be a bunch of Latinos uh, just having fun. <laughs>
2: did you uh, enjoy yourself today? <laughs> yeah, I did. Oh, great. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you, guys. You guys Stay- are great. <laughs> Stay tuned. After the break, we'll be talking about sexism.
0: Fun stuff. Light.
2: Just between us, it's time for topics. X X X X X X X X X baby 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 bada boom bada bing. Uh, I wanted to talk about uh, sexism this week. Great, why? Well, because I've always had a really interesting uh relationship with it, mm. where I think that I grew up with so much like internalized sexism yeah and i felt like so me against women and that anything that happened, like i felt like i it was unfair for me to ever claim sexism in any situation and that mm. that was like a cop-out and that was like an excuse and grow now having like a bigger and better perspective i'm like no that that's real <laughs> Yeah,
3: I had a lot of second wave feminism that was, like, I thought, okay, I'm better than other girls. Like, you Mm -hmm. know that meme where it's, like, other girls, big boobs, pink dresses, like, me, sneakers, books, or whatever. So, like, I was really into that, where I was, like, I'm the girl that is cool. I'm the girl that's smart. Other girls are dumb.
2: Well, I I think I felt so threatened by other girls. So Mm -hmm. I needed to, like, put them down or separate myself from them in some way yeah like you know i think that there are times in my life where i like really prided myself on having a lot of guy friends oh and i would be
3: like i'm so lucky that guys want to be friends with me mm-hmm. what the hell is that
2: guys will be friends with a log
3: a log in a wig like who cares <laughs> like i i when i started doing comedy i didn't think i was funny unless men were laughing right they're not funny! <laughs> are you kidding me? Also, you don't have to laugh at anything dudes say. You can just go, that's not funny.
2: But you don't have to laugh at anyone anything. Well, I I don't know. I have such a nervous laugh. I laugh all the time when I don't think things are funny. Yeah. I mean it's I, like a it's like a habit. I just go like <laughs> Yeah. And but, then I hear it in my head and I hear it and I go, oh God. <laughs> yuck. I just mean like you don't have to win
3: dudes over to be worthwhile. It's so I really thought that.
2: I felt like, oh, that's a thing of the past. Yes, I felt like no. This is this is the early two thousands. Oh my god, it doesn't god. happen here. You know, like uh, my entire male improv team dislikes me because of me, not because I'm a girl. Uh huh. <laughs> and I and part of it was me, and part of it was that I, you know, I don't know if they would have have treated a guy the same way that they treated me.
3: They probably gave them leeway they didn't give you.
2: Probably, it's just a, it's a difficult topic because we're also coming at it from a place of like extreme white privilege. Oh, big time. So our experience of sexism is already like so much less than what women of color experience.
3: Yeah, I just learned, I mean, I I didn't just learn this, but I I had someone on my show that was like talking about that um black women make a, a lower percentage of money and then uh latin like latinas make even less than that. And it's that crazy. is bonkers. I mean, there's no—it's just, like—and people that say, oh, the wage gap isn't real, or people that are like, no, sexism, like, doesn't
2: happen. I, I, there's, like, evidence. There's statistics. There's oh, numbers. I'm not even going to engage with you about the wage gap because yeah. it's so clearly proven. There are so yeah. many statistics about it. But I'm, like, curious of, like, what, like, daily interactions have you noticed that that's still happening to you?
3: Being catcalled. Yeah. Being catcalled. Like— Getting, when I had short hair, by the way, no one talked to me. And then when, now that I've been growing my hair out, it's like full catcalling again. Um, and and that is very obnoxious. And I noticed when I was out, my boyfriend at the time was like almost like six foot seven, like big guy. And, and when I had longer hair a while ago, and when I was out with him, no one talked to me. No one catcalled me. It was like I was protected. But as soon as I was not out with him, fully followed down the street fully yelled at like and and I don't wear I mean day to day I don't wear what I want to wear and I don't go where I want to go I don't cut through alleys to go faster I don't walk like I my daily life is to not get raped and murdered
2: (laughs) absolutely but is that sexism or is that harassment It's sexism because you're not going to say that. You're
3: not going to do that to another guy. I hate when men are like catcalling you and they're like, well, I'm would. i just trying to talk. I'm just trying to be friends. I'm like, no, you're not because you wouldn't do this to another dude because you think he would beat you up for being gay. Like, you would not do this to a guy. You're only doing this to me because I'm a woman. Right. Don't act like you're trying to tell me to smile or be friendly. I get comments on Instagram from guys being like, why don't you smile?
2: But I'm talking about non-sexualized sexism. Like, when... You just, like, I don't know, like, when we were at BuzzFeed, we had this boss, and, like, we were not given anything to do. And I would, like, I, like, went up to him one time, and I was like, well, what should I be doing? And he his, he was literally, like, calm down. Oh, he thought you were being hysterical. Yeah. And so, like, that to me is, like, classic sexism. Yes. Like, if a guy had gone up, like, I I'm really curious would he have Would his response have been like "Calm down to like a completely reasonable
3: request the actual words calm down when you were not riled is bananas
2: (laughs) and i and so like i think that 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 is still very much manifesting and i also think that there is like this really interesting and horrifying pushback from the me too movement where now men are like i don't know how to talk to women at all uh, how about not creepily? Just like as a person, they're like, "Well, I don't know how to mentor a woman." And how it's like, you mentor women the way that you mentor men. How do you interact with men? Exactly, just interact exactly the same. Like we're not, we're not out to get you. Like we're not like waiting for you to like. By accident, brush brush your hand against our shoulder. Right. Like, that is not our goal. Yeah. <laughs> our goal is to just, like, exist in the space, the way that you exist in the space. Read the room. And I just, like, it's so interesting to me that men think that women are so different that they don't even know, like, they're acting, that they don't even know how to interact with us anymore because we're, like, we're so overreacting.
3: And I don't like this thing like the Joe Biden thing where he's like, well, things are just different now. And it's like, no, we always didn't like that. Right. You're just listening. And, and it's not even sexual. But I've, I see like when I'm like in a space or if I'm at work and I'm like doing something, when men come up, they'll like put their hand on the small of my back to like move me or whatever. Uh, and, and they are not doing that to dudes. And I think maybe it's just like they're not even thinking about it.
2: Oh, absolutely being moved in public spaces. Being physically moved. I hate it and and that happens never so, touch me
3: that's so often and um and i think they just feel entitled they're not even sexually they just feel entitled to like our space and our bodies which is bananas i had like a thing where i was like talking about catcalling and i was like hey please don't do it and i still this was like 3 years ago on a pod, on a, a like a um a not anti-feminist podcast but like a podcast that was mostly dudes and i still get hate mail about it i still get messages being like oh, are you the girl who said that men are not entitled to your time? Like that, like they're like furious that I would say that men are not entitled to speak to me.
2: I, see to me, like those people are are like, It's expected. Like, I don't think that you would, like, interact with the guy that sent you that email and then be, like, shocked that he sent you that email. What's interesting to me is, like, when it's happening higher up with people where you wouldn't expect it to still be happening, where you would think that those people are, like, aware enough. Mm. You know, like, the CEOs or the high, you know, like, someone Mm. who's, like, in a position of power who, like, is well-educated and, like, cultured and they still act inappropriately. Or
3: Democrats who are like, I think we could win if we dropped abortion. What? (laughs) Really? Really? Like, and you're willing to just throw women, like, people with uteruses under the bus. Like, that's your thing. You're like, I think we should just do this. Uh, Okay. And then, you know, it's so deep because, like, then there's even more statistics about trans women and, like, there's even more. Like, it's so...
2: It's just like so deep. I think you bringing up the abortion issue explains it perfectly. Yeah. Where like people who are anti-abortion, a lot of them, they don't even realize that it's rooted in sexism. Yes. They won't even acknowledge that what they are doing is trying to control women's bodies. Yes, exactly. And it is so a, a part of their very being that they're able to be like, no, it's because I love life. Yes, that they think they're a good person when they're being like this. Sexism and racism, it's so interesting because it's like two things where you can explicitly show that you are sexist or racist Mm -hmm. and then go, no, I'm not. How dare you call me that? Yes. Yeah. I mean,
3: it's not... They treat it like it's an opinion. But it's also this thing where I had to realize that you have to respect women's decisions sometimes even if you feel that it's coming from... Internalized sexism, like you can't rescue the woman, like women who are so proud to be traditional housewives, and so mm-hmm. they'll like post about it. Like, I only care about my kids and cooking, and I have to just be like, They that that's feminism, too.
2: Absolutely, it's just
3: them letting them do what they want is feminism,
2: figuring out that. Um, feminism was just supporting women's choices was huge for me. Yeah, because uh, you know I think that there is like this thought that it's like well, you have to be this independent woman and you have to like want to you know you have to take charge and you have work to, you know work and so there's this episode of Jane the Virgin where the grandmother character Alba finally gets married and you know she's married for the first time in uh in the show history of the show and she is a very traditional wife she Mm -hmm. like cooks for her husband and like caters to his needs and like he's the man of the house and he she says that he's the man of the house and all of this stuff right And, and jane you know being a young younger progressive woman like takes great offense to this and is like alba like i can't believe that you're doing this like you know like you're a strong woman like why are you acting this way you're like letting him walk all over you and she said and alba was like did you ever think that maybe this is the way I want to act? Yeah. That like, yes, I am a strong, independent woman. And, yeah. and this is how I want to behave. This is how I enjoy having a marriage. And also, for years, I cooked and cleaned for you and you had no problem with that. Right. You only have a problem because it's now a man. Yeah. I think you can give as long as everyone's got the options. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that it's completely valid to potentially, if you're a caregiver to fall into a caregiver role, that brings a lot of people joy.
3: It's also interesting too, when I date masculine of center people who are not cis, um, the traditional roles that we still fall into. I have to be very aware of that because there can be sexism in those um, spaces too. We're like, I have to be aware that I'm not just being the girl. Right, I let. Oh my god, the way that. But is that, there
2: anything wrong with that if that's what you want?
3: I know, I know. I just have to really consider it, though. Like, right. I can't just Make do sure it, it subconsciously. Subconscious. Yeah. yeah, because I still like. I immediately get in the passenger side and let them drive. Yeah, immediately.
2: But here is the thing, I like being the passenger. Yeah, I don't like to drive. I don't like to drive. I like to drive by myself. I don't like to drive other people because I am bad at it. Yeah, and so like a a big thing for me was realizing that like. In a lot of ways, like, I do like some traditional gender roles in my relationships, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I can behave however I want to behave in my relationship as long as there's mutual respect.
3: Yeah, and as long as it's a conscious choice. Just like you say, oh, we can't be mad that women are choosing to be sex workers because, like, you know, you you just have to respect women. You don't have to um, like everything that they do. But if we are so pro that and, like, And, like, in a way where we're, like, you know, uh, like, women who are sex positive or whatever versus, like, women who are a little more prudish or a little bit more traditional or whatever, we have to be respecting both.
2: I know. I feel like we sort of um, did a pendulum swing where then there was, like, this backlash against women who were, like— who were, like, waiting till marriage to have sex or who wanted to stay home and not work. Like, mm. I think that for a while, those women felt really attacked mm. and that, like, other women looked down on them, especially if they weren't working and were stay-at-home moms. And as as a community and as, like, a society, we have to, like, rise up and be like, that's great, too. Like, it's yeah. all great.
3: There's a lot of... Um, as long as they're truly choosing it. But there is a lot of cultural stuff in it. I think white women come into like, these traditional homes that are like not white and they're like, well, don't you want to do this or don't you want to do that? But like there, there's just it's just different. It's like co- it's like colonizing again. Like it's just there's different ways of doing things in different cultures.
2: Yeah. But it kind of comes down to, to choice and mm-hmm. to like getting us to a place where women can choose what they want to do. Absolutely. So they don't feel that pressure from their family to be a certain way. Yes. Yes. Because c- sometimes that can just cause a lack of choice. Yes, or a pressured decision. As long as they're
3: presented with all the options, right? um, And they can, and then what? And then like what they choose isn't judged anymore. You know what I mean? Mm
2: -hmm. It's been very. I I have had so much internalized sexism about what women wear. Yeah, and being so judgmental about what women wear and like like oh my god that's so short or like that's not flattering why is she wearing and like I've had to like retrain my brain to be like shut the fuck up yeah like
3: who cares it's also I learned really rooted in jealousy for me
2: oh interesting
3: where I still like this past week I was like at a queer camp it's like a space that shouldn't be so normative and this one girl was very thin and she was wearing like a bathing suit around and I was like and, and someone was like oh yeah she's just wearing this bathing suit around and I was like well I'd wear that too if I looked like her But, like, shut up, Gabby. (laughs) You know what I mean? Is it a compliment? No, it's just you being jealous.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, so much of it comes from that and, like, from being like, well, okay, my body doesn't look like that, but at least, like, I don't feel the need to show off my body all the time, which is a horrible way to think. Exactly. But that's 100% how I was raised to think. I yeah. was, not from my parents, but just like society, from society that it's like, oh, it's like, it's bad to like use your body. Yeah, but it's awesome to use your body. Yeah, Go for it if you want to use your body.
3: And then I had the other way where like when, when women are uh, curvier or fat and they're like really confident, I'm jealous there too. <laughs> like where I'm like, oh my God, like they're wearing a crop top. I wish I could do like, I, I get jealous that way. Like it's so much just jealousy all around. It's like, like a lot of sexism is just rooted in, je- in wanting to be able to do what these other women are. Are doing. Mm -hmm. So you're mad.
2: And also I've had to like realize that it's okay that I don't want to dress certain ways.
3: Yeah, you love to dress like an Orthodox Jew. Thank you.
2: (laughs) You know, but like that I, you know, for me, it's I'm not comfortable wearing a super short dress. Mm -hmm. And that's totally fine. Like to each his own. It's like wear a bra, don't wear a bra, shave, don't shave, whatever. I think that the best advice we can give is that. Start the revolution in your own head. Yeah. You know? So when you see a woman wearing something you wouldn't necessarily wear, you'll have the thought, but then immediately follow it up with, like, to each his own. Or if you yeah. see a woman behaving a way you wouldn't necessarily behave or or aspiring to do something you wouldn't necessarily aspire to do. Go, to each his own. Like, well, f- yeah. I mean, I feel that about women who are like,
3: I just want to be moms. I just wanted to have a baby. I don't get it, but I'm also like,
2: well, to you've accomplished
3: your goal. Like, good for yeah. you. I... What with other with the way men treat us, I think we have to I mean, it's so hard because it is dangerous because they can murder us. But I like (laughs) but I feel like speaking up is so important because other women see you speak up and they can speak up
2: and to make an active decision not to, to trash talk other women especially to do especially to do so i think that we obviously we can't control dudes we've been trying for a really long time but they seem really difficult <laughs> uh, to pin down but you know i think that we can start working on sexism within ourselves and then teach that to our kids and you know sh- like teach that honestly to our mothers and mm. like and spread it that way and then i think that slowly hopefully over time we'll see more equality
3: yeah I mean, it's also, like, don't be gaslit by sexism in the workplace. Like, don't think that it's not happening. If you feel that it's happening, like, talk to HR, say something. Like, don't feel like, oh, maybe I'm just being a thorn in everyone's side. Or maybe— that Because then it'll continue.
2: I think that, like, I always worry that I'm, like— I'm reacting out of insecurity or an inability to actually, like, take responsibility for my own actions. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, like, if I claim sexism, then I'm, like, using it as a scapegoat.
3: It's, but it's in context of society. You have to think of it in, in context of society.
2: And most of the time, if you think sexism is happening... It's happening. Right. (laughs) So I think that, like, you know, if you, like, need that extra push or backup, like, this is us telling you that, like, if someone is treating you inappropriately in the workplace, that's probably the cause of it. Or if someone's even being condescending.
3: Yes. Ugh! The, like, mansplaining or the condescendingness. I've been in workplaces where I've said an idea, and then 30 seconds later, a guy has said the idea, and everyone's like, what a great idea.
2: What do you do then?
3: I just go... Yeah, it was a great idea we had. <laughs> like yeah. I – or sometimes I've actually like shut down. Like yeah. I just shrink. I just shut down. And I'm like and, – and it's terrifying to be the person who brings something to HR because sometimes like they'll out you as a person who did it or like everyone will just like not like – you know, like it makes you. It sucks to talk about sexism because it makes people not like you.
2: I think that in the HR meeting itself – I think if you can have someone come with you, mm-hmm. that's huge. Because I think, like, if you have someone that you... Maybe a, another coworker, or depending on whether or not you're in a union, potentially someone from the union yeah. will come with you. Um, and have someone there who can verify mm-hmm. and and say that, yes, this is what happened. This is how you reported it as mm-hmm. what happened at mm-hmm. the time. Like, I always think that, like, no one will listen to one woman, but maybe they'll listen to two. Yeah, And so if you can have backup in those yeah. situations, and also... Write things down. Yeah. As they're happening. Yes. Like take notes. Yes. And then when you and take notes of the time. time the day, date. Yep, yep, the, yep. The specific incident that happened. Screenshots, and I love a screenshot. Screenshots. Like sit, you know, like compile your evidence. Like keep your receipts. And and then yeah. that will make it so much harder for them to just like shut you down.
3: I also had a boss who was so condescending to me. So condescending. And I would like start it fighting back with him and it was in public. And so other coworkers noticed they were like he's so rude to you and like that was helpful that like they pulled me aside separately to be like we see this that's like great. if you see that with within your workplace like say something even yeah, if it's not happening the, to you be the ally
2: be the person who goes to hr with your coworkers. yeah you know like let's let's like do a united front and then we'll, we're much harder to, to shut up quickly what about if like your boyfriend is being condescending to you Uh, I think you have to say something and then also reassess why he's your boyfriend.
3: Yeah. I've just had them not even know, not even know Mm -hmm. that they're mansplaining, not even know that they're being like condescending. And sometimes like I've said that this thing happened and then I've had boyfriends be like, I don't think that's how it was. (laughs) And I'm like, what, why is it so hard to just hear me say something and be like, oh, okay.
2: Uh, well, do you, do you vocalize that back?
3: Yeah. A huge thing is parking,
2: parking. I will be
3: like hey there was a spot and they'll be like well blah, blah, blah. and they get so up in arms that I pointed out a spot because they're like and this has happened a few times where they're like I can I know I can find it like there's something in their minds that's manly about parking <laughs> and I don't understand and I dated and the only reason I realized that it was such a thing is because I dated a guy who I said oh there's a spot and he went great and parked. <laughs> and I was like, that has never happened in the history of my life.
2: I, you know, I also think that, like, a, a lot of times when that stuff happens, you have to realize it's so about their own bullshit and it's their ego. own insecurity. And yeah, and like, it has nothing to do with you. And, you know, p- potentially, if you feel like your boyfriend is, is behaving this way, I think it's good to talk to them about it, not in the moment, yeah. but later. Yeah, just if your girlfriend sees a spot, just park there. And that's our takeaway from the episode. Uh, Melissa, will you come on in and give us a rating? What's up, guys? Hi, Melissa. What do you you think? Lay it on us.
1: I will give this 4.99 smiley faces. Oh! That's
2: so cute. (laughs) I love a smiley face. Me too. I love it, like, on a pancake or, like, you know... (laughs) Oh, like, wow. Like where oh. oh wow! You don't expect it. Oh wow! 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 <laughs> it's the little things. I
3: rate it uh, uh seven out of seven. Miamis love nice. it. Oh, you should rate it.
2: What's the area code?
3: Three oh five out of three oh five. Miamis. Yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah, I I always um uh I always like uh talking about where I'm from because people have so many different experiences of it mm-hmm. and like I never really partied and I never really um like was sup- I mean I was in the Jewish part like I obviously the parts of like the Jewish part and the Cuban part touched and like interla- intersected but um, I just like hearing other people's experiences of, of the city.
2: What did you think of, of tough questions? Did you learn anything exciting Melissa?
1: Yeah I thought it was really interesting. Um, I when she talked about when people ask her um, like where she's from uh-huh. um, for me, like I get that question and, pe- and I'm just like, I'm from Arkansas and they're like, no, but like, where's like your family from? And I'm like, Arkansas. Like, yeah. And um, I'm black. And so my ancestors were slaves. And so like our identity was taken away from us. So yeah. I really didn't know. And then I did like a, 24 Me thing and and figured out some stuff so it was that was like the first time I ever like really knew where my family came from yeah it's a
3: rude question yeah it it is
2: that means your family has been here probably so much longer than most people have been we're like American American. yes (laughs) totally yeah that's Why can't
1: the, people just believe that or not ask that question? Yeah, they just... Chill out. People just think, like, the default for American is white, which it's not. No, yeah. It's like, where are you from? You're not Native American, so... So exactly. you're from somewhere else. Yeah. I don't even know where I'm from.
2: I thought you said France. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely not what I said. Uh, I thought I think your
3: family was French. Like, mine's French and Belgium.
2: Mine's, like, a, just, like, a lot of white. Like, just, like, oh. Russia, like, Poland. Got I it. I think maybe a little France. Like, Ashkenazi like a, Jew. I'm yeah. 6% French. That Look at does. Us. Yeah. We're all little Bonjour.
3: French. 99% <laughs> Ashkenazi Jew.
2: Well, I think that that's what my dad is. My, I think my mom thought she was more French than she actually was when she did oh. Ancestry.com.
3: Yeah. What did you think was uh, the funniest part?
2: I thought that the funniest part was when I referenced the Soup Nazi. That was very funny. <laughs> that
3: was very funny. Um, I I learned uh, actually a lot about like sexism stuff. I think you had a lot of really good stuff to say about that. Really? Yeah. And I and the um the international question. I thought we both like tag team that really well.
2: I think it's. Uh, I wish that everyone was rich. I wish yeah. that everyone was rich and everyone was equal. But
3: everyone, look into universal basic income. Yeah. Google it. Google it. I'm very into that. It's a socialist thing, but I'm, 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 I think I've had, he- I'm headed that way.
2: <laughs> I've been a socialist for years. Yeah, I think
3: I'm in there now. Got it. Um, uh, and uh, what was
1: the funniest part to you, Melissa? It was the soup Nazi thing, too. Come
2: yes! on! Yes! Come the fuck on! Yes!
5: That's ridiculous. <laughs>
2: anyway, thank you so much to our guest. Riza Alicia. Just Between Us is hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Our engineer is Brendan Burns. He also composed our theme music. Our producers are
3: Kristen Torres and Melissa D. Motz. Our supervising producer is Josephine Martorana.
2: Our executive producer is Chris Bannon.
3: Just Between Us is a production of Stitcher.
2: No soup for you! Come on! (laughs) (laughs)
5: Ditcher. The mob, the mafia, the syndicate, the family. Once you're in, you're in, you can't get out. What we know about the mafia, it's all about the guys. But there's another side of the mob in the 20th century, and it's just as dangerous, but in a totally different way. Especially if you're a gay man, a drag queen. Or a woman. We're talking about the underworld of New York City's very first drag clubs and the woman. That's right, a woman who ran them. A woman named Anna Genovese. Anna was the goddess. She's a tough old bird. Who was this mob queen with the insight and ability to write her own ticket in a man's world? That's what we want to know. Who is Anna Genovese? Mob Queens is out now. You can listen on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.